This is WexCast from the Wexner Center for the Arts at The Ohio State University. For this episode, we have an intro to the work of the great French filmmaker Agnès Varda, who passed away in 2019 at the age of 90, and who's the subject of a six-film mini-retrospective at the Wex, running March 6th through March 26th. Chris Stoltz, the Wex's associate film video curator and the organizer of this series, sat down with Vera Brunner-Sung, a filmmaker, Ohio State professor, and fellow fan of Varda's, to talk about their own experiences with her work and why it remains essential viewing nearly 50 years after Varda's first major film, 1961's Cleo from 5 to 7. That film happens to kick off our Varda series on the 6th at 7 p.m. Let's listen. I've seen a number of her films, but um, some of the films you're showing, like uh, Vagabond, you know, a film that's been really important to me as a filmmaker, I've never seen on the big screen. So oh, I'm yeah. really excited for the opportunity to to see it in a theater and see it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that in film school and it seared me. <laughs> and I'm curious to see how that plays like, 20 years later. It's... I, know, I love revisiting films that mean a lot to you at different times in your life and, and you know, just gauging that. Yeah, Varda just saying, um, you know, that I, I discovered her work in film school in the 90s. At the time, she seemed like a historical figure because her great films, Cleo from 5 to 7, or even Vagabond, were a decade or more in the past, and her name wasn't really brought up in a contemporary context, or she wasn't showing in art houses at the time. But now that she's passed, it's become clear that there were those moments where people lost sight of Varda, but she was still doing work and doing amazing maybe some of the most interesting, weirdest work of her career. And so it feels like people are really only now catching up with the totality of Varda and her varying career paths. Yeah, I think it's uh, like when you say like, oh, in the 90s, like what was happening (laughs) with Varda, if you compared her to her peers, Mm -hmm. most notably Godard, like who continued to churn out these narratives. Um, But she really had this... um, and it's it's so funny to say like oh you know the second phase of her career or this like <laughs> rebirth because mm. it's it doesn't feel right to say that since she was really working this entire time but as a documentarian right mm-hmm. and she she has been making or she had been making nonfiction films um, her entire career right and a lot of short films as well but then there it feels like there was this explosion of of feature length work over the last thirty. 30, 20. 40. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because Moore, Moore oh, well, sure. yeah. is from the 70s, right? Yeah. I mean, when she went to Los Angeles, she was she had a whole other phase of making this work. And mm-hmm. I guess the amount of attention in the last 10, 15, 20 years for, since the Gleaners came out, which right. you guys are also showing, um, felt like a really new era of Varda, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The Gleaners was definitely a moment where she came to the fore again, and then she was able to to ride that for the rest of her life and kind of follow any curiosity she had, whether it led her to the gallery. And that was her first film on video, right? It was, was. That, yeah. yeah. So there's something about the video camera when she, she embraced the camcorder and suddenly... Yeah, at a time where video capture quality was still 
pretty dodgy, but it was so organically tied to her practice and her interests and the subject material of the film that, yeah, that's another way she's pioneering that isn't quite addressed um, or articulated a lot. Mm-hmm. And as a curator, just thinking of, you know, we're only able to do four nights of this Varda tribute, and there's so much work to choose from. But it, it was so exciting because, like, a few summers ago, we did an Ingmar Bergman retrospective. This upcoming summer, we're doing a Fellini retrospective, both for their 100th birthdays. And when you do those, like, usually a director retrospective can be this monolithic theme or thing that can be variations on a theme. It is primarily variations as much as, you know, you, you may love those directors. But with Varda... It has this range. It's expansive, right? Yeah. It's sort of, I mean, can you think when you when you think about um, her body of work, what like what are the themes that emerge? I mean, yeah. for me, it's so much of it is centering female experience, mm-hmm. right? And not to necessarily to the exclusion of all um, other gendered experiences <laughs> that are there, but um, that's what felt so radical about her work mm-hmm. um, as a when I was a film student 15 years ago, you know, immersed in this, still, you know, immersed in, in the dominant masculine narrative of the new wave. <laughs> and, um, that felt revelatory. Um, and then like as an aging voice too, mm-hmm. right. And in, yeah. in the, the late, the end of her career, she was like, you know, on camera all the time and not trying to hide and, you know, still being this force and, and so open and direct. And, and I think you can trace that back, to Cleo also, mm. right? Where it's just, it's it's a woman looking at another woman who's going through a very intense experience and she doesn't look away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, very much about women's lived experiences and talking about Cleo, um, Cleo from five to seven, you know, which was maybe one of her, well, it was her breakthrough film and really the one that's most tied with the French New Wave and put into that narrative as maybe the sole feminine example but as the title says it's it's two hours in this woman's life and the film does last about two hours but it's it does give this sense of like lived time it's not tied to this you know chronometer right right the unrelenting the plot just like yeah (laughs) moments can expand and contract Mm -hmm. and capture the sense of this woman's interior sense even though it's taking place in real time and that bridge between subjective reality and the world I feel like is one of her defining characteristics I mean you know we keep talking about her in relation to the French New Wave which would be a nice thing to get away from maybe (laughs) but it can also be productive to think about her in contrast to Godard or Truffaut and you look at the arc of Godard's career and it kind of ends up with him in a room a dark room smoking cigars and like hermetically sealed his all his films in the last 15 years he can make by himself with a yeah in a room alone Yeah. yeah right whereas Varda is just roaming the world, yeah. literally like roaming the <laughs> roaming the streets, um, and 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 something we talked about before, right? Is is uh, and I agree, I do agree that like you know 
she transcended this this historical moment. But mm-hmm. but if we want to compare her to Godard, this this thing about just the humanism and her her fascination and love for other people in the world that mm-hmm. you you don't really see and. <laughs> In um in his body of work, um, there's a gener- there's such a generosity to her her narratives and her and her fiction uh, her her documentary films, um, a curiosity that is really inspiring. And it's like I'm always, and you know maybe it's just me, but I always end up weeping in these <laughs> <laughs> in these films where it's just so um, the simplicity mm-hmm. and the profundity through that simplicity is. Now I feel like I'm speaking in these sort of platitudes, but like... I mean, they're so smart. (laughs) They're so smart. They're so smart, but they're just so... It's a space that's easy to enter, and then you kind of want to carry that with you out into the world. You can tell that her encounters with other people are what are fueling for her. And I would say in addition to, to women's lived lives, just people who live unconventionally... Right. Is what she's drawn to and is fueled by their her kindred spirits. Right. Yeah. yeah. People at the margins of of uh, of I don't know the standard way to live or something yeah. or the sort of conventional. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one of the other defining things I think about her is just we've kind of alluded to it, but how she just finds whatever form her film needs to take. And sometimes it's something she wants to tell through a fictionalized narrative that has to do with acting or how actors interact with non-actors like in Vagabond. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's just a short film or just Mm -hmm. this fluidity between shorts and features and narrative and documentary. I think that's one of the things that has become really inspiring to other filmmakers, and I see her influence growing. It's, it was kind of amazing to see in her later years where she did kind of become this grandmother of cinema and would show up on the red carpet at the Oscars and every Angelina Jolie or Greta Gerwig or Ava DuVernay, everybody wants to get like <laughs> yeah. a selfie with Anya Varda, uh-huh. and uh-huh. there's a way she kind of became a meme <laughs> over the past five or six years that... Well, you're wearing your buttons. Yeah, you exactly. Got. There's, like, there's pins, pins several buttons and, and pins. Tote you, bags. And, yeah, there's merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be reductive, but it's, it's a great way to, you know, spread the message. But then you go back and look at the work, and it's so weird and idiosyncratic. And um, but, it can't but it's be. so, but that's the other thing. It's like it's so accessible. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, it's like it's not um, limited by its, you know, experimental nature, mm-hmm. right? It's, I mean, so often we think of experimental work, right or wrong, as, as this kind of hermetic thing or something that only a few people can understand or even get to see, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, her work is really, I think anyone can, can sit in the theater with it and have. Mm-hmm have a have an emotional have a have an entertaining you know and profound experience (laughs) yeah there aren't many like people who are known as art house or documentary like you'll laugh you'll cry (laughs) right (laughs) no but it's so much it is that it is yeah it is that and you'll think you know because it's so it's provocative often one other thing that's that's that i'm always drawn to about varda's career is 
just the this openness that she has in terms of people and and class and her interests also extends geographically and she can find herself in the oddest places and end up making some of the defining films about wherever she ends up. I'm just thinking about she was married to the the French filmmaker Jacques Demy and made a number of films about him and his career and life. Um, But when he had a chance to make a film in Hollywood, he made this movie Model Shop and she moved out to L.A. with him. They lived out there for a while, and at the time she made a couple small um, portrait documentary films about relatives or the Black Panthers that really capture a place in time. But then um, we're closing our series with a double feature that she made as kind of a double feature that exemplifies her career in, in ways that are so fascinating and still productive and I think you can mine it for so many ideas if you're an artist or just interested in film. She went back to L.A. a little while later after she and Jacques Demy had separated, and so she made a couple films there, living there as a separated mom with her kid. One of them, um, the first one we're showing in the double-featured documentaire, is pretty thinly veiled, like auto-fiction, with a, a... separated or divorced maybe in the movie um woman with her son and it's played by her and Jacques Demy's son just kind of trying to find themselves in Los Angeles in the late 70s um but then as she was making this film she just got so interested in the murals of Los Angeles and you mentioned murmurs Mm -hmm. earlier and so she made this documentary murmurs about public art and murals and just Los Angeles at the time very much an outsider's point of view but so I mean it became an important document of the city of Los Angeles and I mean in in recent in the last you know what is it 10 years really um I'm thinking about Tom Anderson's Los Angeles plays mm-hmm. itself, but like as and that has that was a part of that film was a part of kind of rediscovering the city of Los Angeles as a place, yeah. right? As if it hadn't it hadn't been conceived of one <laughs> in cinema except for as it's standing in for other places. But her film was one an important one that you could point to and say, "Oh, this is this is a document of the city too, mm-hmm. and the people who who live in it." And that's something that connects back to probably all of her work, right? Her her interest in locations and yeah. places, right? It's not just about these characters and their, you know, the action and what's happening to them, but it's their kind of, their dynamic with the world that they're inhabiting, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that porousness between fictional intention and the documentary reality is there in everything, but this is that double feature um, kind of exemplifies that and yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun way to close out this tribute to her work and her life. Yeah. That was Wexner Center Associate Film Video Curator Chris Stoltz and filmmaker and Ohio State professor Vera Brunersung with an introduction to the work of Agnes Varda. For more information about our March 2020 Varda retrospective and all things Wex, go to wexarts.org. I'm Melissa Starker for the Wexner Center for the Arts. Thanks for listening.